Thank you for listening. This is Frederick of Frederick Henry Show. And uh, today I'd like to talk a little bit about the Trump campaign of 2024. And I think one of the things that I note in my, uh, you know, I'm not a genius at campaigning. I'm not involved in the political process other than a voter and a lot of other things that I'm not. But I do have an opinion. And the opinion is that President Trump was a brilliant uh, president who maybe should be regarded as one of the greatest presidents ever. But... He had a blind side, and the blind side was his choice of personnel. And I think the reason for that choice of personnel uh, being weak is that he was a corporate executive. I think Trump believed that anybody in the corporation, anybody who would even care to be part of the corporation, would work for the success of the corporation. So let's use an example. Uh, president Trump is the president of the Trump Organization. He has 13, that's hypothetical, it's uh, 12 vice presidents. And he says to the 12th vice president, you know, I, you've done a great job. I really appreciate what you've done. I'm going to make you the eighth vice president. And then two years later, he says to the guy, wow, you really have performed. The performance has increased our uh, bottom line. Our properties are doing very, very well. I'm going to make you the fifth vice president. And, you know, if you do well, uh, better things yet to come. Now, the assumption there, I think, is a good one, is that the man is in the Trump organization. He's made it to the point of 12th vice president. So he's done a very good job. He's obviously intelligent. He knows what he's doing. Could be a girl. I'm just using he as a generic phrase here. And then uh, Trump goes to him and says, if you continue to do greatly, I'll move you up to the eighth and then to the fifth. With the, with the assumption, which is a, a good assumption, that this man is a corporate man, he's for the organization, he's never going to be me because I own the organization, I have 51% of the shares, I founded the organization, I am the reason for the organization's existence, and so this man wanting to be the first vice president will do all that he can and work the best that he can or she can and put out the best effort. You know, he won't go home at night for his family. He won't be home at Christmas or Easter if he's needed. He will dedicate uh, uh, 36 hours a day, that's a pun, (laughs) uh, to uh, the effort. And that's the uh, presumption that President Trump made falsely. He was in the corporate mind, but he was in the political world. And the political world is made up of people who believe in themselves. They believe that they should be president. They believe that they should be president, but they just never had the chance. And so when he hires this one or that one or this one or that one, they all believe that they know better than him. They know how he should act, they know what he should do. And so when the president wants advice and he says, well, what do you think? They tell him things that they believe to be true Although they're not tested, they're not proven, they're merely their own personal political viewpoint, which is not helpful for the president. I think of a very, very high-level general who said uh, toward the end of the Trump administration that he would have warned the Chinese if uh, he thought the president was going to attack China. Now, this high-level military official Uh, thinks of himself very highly, and he thinks he has the right perception, the right understanding, he has the insider knowledge. However, the problem is that he made a gross mistake in misreading Trump. Trump would have never invaded China, no matter how much he groused about it. The idea of invading China was absurd. Uh, The idea that the president would marshal the forces of the American 
uh, military to attack China without congressional approval and a declaration of war was absurd. Anyone who thought that was inside the White House bubble and didn't have a firm grasp of reality. And thirdly, to think that if that was the decision and that you could give an order for the American forces to attack China without congressional approval is downright absurd. Although the individual involved, being a general himself, may have been willing to do it if he had thought of it, and may have been willing to do it if he thought it was the best thing, and may have been willing, without congressional approval, to order all kinds of um, um, behind-the-scenes actions to attack China uh, surreptitiously without congressional approval. He may have thought that. He may have done that. He may have executed such an illegal policy. And because he believed that Trump was like that, the only reason he would believe that Trump was like that is because he himself was like that. Now, this person made this egregious error in understanding the president himself, and then he made the second egregious error, which is to think that his task is to protect the military or to uh, provide for the safety of the military. His task is to serve under the direction of the chief executive officer of the government, the president of the United States, uh, the commander in chief. And his task is to disobey an illegal order, but a legal order, which is to say a legal order, uh, one approved by the Congress, one approved by uh, the nation, as it were, through the Congress, was to be carried out. Instead, he would inform the communist Chinese government of an impending attack. That would have cost the Americans a defeat. That would have cost the Americans tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of innocent American lives that did not have to be lost. It would have meant the, the, the death of 100,000 American soldiers that did not have to be killed if this weasel in the White House had not informed the communist Chinese of an impending attack from the United States. That was what he said he would have done. I don't think he did it, but that's what he said he would have done. And it shows the man's lack of judgment, lack of perception, and a time to retire. Trump's White House was filled with these kind of people, not corporate people at the 12th uh, presidential level, vice president level, moved to the 8th, to the 12th, uh, to the 5th, all for the good of the corporation, all for the good of the company, uh, make the company stronger, make the company bigger, make the company greater, make the bottom line higher, but do what I think should be done, even though they are not the leader of the company, they're not the founder of the company, and they're not the namesake of the company. And so President Trump's failure in the personnel area is due to his corporate mindset, but it's also due to his belief in his advisors. Uh, He came, like any corporate man, he has advisors, and these advisors he trusted. Now, being in the political realm, he had advisors who gave him faulty advice. We we know that from experience. Um, uh, Amorosa, Scaramucci, um, General Kelly, uh, Attorney uh, General Barr, uh, Steve Mnuchin, um, uh, Secretary Voss, these people were not up to the task of carrying out the Trump agenda. I think Voss was a little bit better at it than the others, but in other words, not only were they bad choices, but they were people who were not going to carry out the president's agenda 
make America great again. They weren't going to carry out the nation's agenda. They were going to carry out their own agenda. Now, I think it's legitimate to say, just to make this a short podcast, what should we ask of President Trump before the 24 election? I think it's not unfair to ask him to tell us who are his advisors, who's running his campaign. Is it Rona um, Romney uh, McDaniels or Daniels? As is it um, uh, the others who ran his previous campaign? Is it uh, his daughter and her son-in-law? Is it? Um, Steve Bannon, is it uh, um, Navarro? Who's running the show? Who's running the campaign? Name them. Let us let us see it in public. Who these people are, and then we can ask these people, "What's your plan? What what is your plan for the campaign?" Now you say, "Oh, that's a secret. That's a secret. It shouldn't be a secret." I don't see why it has to be a secret. Secondly, we have to ask the president before before the uh, election itself. Who do you intend to ask to be in your cabinet? Are we going to have another Barr? Are we going to have another uh, um, Romney implant? Are we going to have a lot of Bushies in there? Are we going to have some globalists in there? Some green people? Are we going to have a lot of people who are unworthy of being part of the Magna movement because they don't believe in the Magna movement? They believe in the Magna movement when it wins, so that they can advance their own political objectives. But are they really MAGA? And lastly, I think we need to know who his spokesmen are. Who are the people who are going to put him out there? Who's writing his tweets? Who's writing his speeches? Who's writing his um, uh, social media accounts? Who's planning his appearances? We need to know that. But I think the main one for me is who do you intend to ask? These people can turn him down.、Uh, they can even be denied by the Senate. But we need to ask: Who do you intend to nominate for cabinet positions? Who are the people? Give us two or three names for Secretary of State. Give us two or three names for for Attorney General. Definitely give us names for FBI and CIA.、Uh, we don't need Ray. We don't need these people. We don't need uh, uh, Garland. These are all holdovers from the previous administration. Which caused us a lot of problems in the past, and we don't need it in the future. And so we need to ask President Trump to name the people who are running his campaign for 2024, who he supports and who he doesn't support for the position of、um, national uh, GOP uh, committee person, and who he intends to ask to be members of the cabinet. And then we need an exact, forward-looking. Uh, updated MAGA agenda. We don't need to hear about righting the wrongs of the past. We don't need to need to hear about、uh, the 2020 election stolen. We we know all of that, and we don't need to know about your president achievements. We know what they are. You can mention them here and there, Donald, but we don't need to regurgitate again and again and again and again the same old vomit. We need to know what you're going to do in the future. Who's going to run your campaign? Who's going to be in your cabinet, and what is the program? What is the 2024 and forward program for America, for MAGA, to make America great again, again? And we need to know it as a contract with America, like Newt Gingrich talked about. 
And so that's enough for today. I don't want to go into a whole lot of other stuff, but I think we have a, a, a good shot. Now, people ask me, and they do all the time, by the way, why are you voting for Trump? And I, I, I'm voting for Trump because I think he's the best man for the job. I think what he was doing was the best thing I've seen in my lifetime. I'm 75 years old. But also I'm fighting to vindicate my vote. I do believe, I do believe that in various and sundry ways, uh, the election was uh, not only lost, but stolen. The lostness cannot be denied. We have to look at what the Trump campaign, what the Trump administration, what the Trump White House did wrong that caused this to even happen in the first place. Because he ran a strong administration minus a weak cabinet and bad messaging, which is, you know, disastrous, as we know. But also, I want to vindicate my vote. I believe that since I believe, since I believe that the election was stolen, and look at Arizona with Carrie Lake, uh, I want to vindicate to those people who think they can fix the machine, stuff the ballot boxes, and, and discover millions of ballots overnight once they know the results of the actual election, I want to say to them, no, not again, never again, I want my vote vindicated. Now that might seem to you a weak position, my friends, but that's my personal position as to the overriding reason that I will vote for Trump no matter what, unless President Trump shows himself to be inadequate to win the election and incapable of running a forward-looking uh, new uh, MAGA movement, a new MAGA approach to the future. Because we have, the today is today, and two years from today will be two years difference, and we can't bring yesterday's policies into tomorrow. We can bring them in, modify them uh, in the process to face the new situation, which we will all face as a nation in 2024. And so, uh, thank you very much. I want to thank you. I, I don't know if you have a button on your screen that allows you to say you like this program or not. I don't know what apparatus you use to view this program and listen to the program. But I do know that I at least see uh, how many people have downloaded it or listened to it. And I appreciate you. The many, many people who have even thought of doing that, listening to me for these few minutes, I appreciate you. And I just ask for your tolerance and your understanding of what I'm saying. You can disagree, of course you can disagree. You can agree. And if you agree, then I hope you will join with me in putting these questions forward to the president and to the president's campaign uh, so that we can be a winning team in 2024. This is Frederick at the Frederick Henry Show, and I wanna thank you very, very much for listening. Take care. <laughs>